Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast, where we focus on how authors found success, looking at strategies that have taken them to the top of the bestseller charts, as well as what they've learned from their mistakes. Because being an indie author is more than knowing the latest marketing trend. It's about being innovative and creative and learning from your mistakes. Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. I'm Sarah Rosette. And I'm Jamie Albright. And this week on the show, we have Angeline Tarina. Yes, we do. And it was such a fun interview. She's so um, smart, but also just really fun to talk to. Uh, We Mm -hmm. talk about world building and Mm -hmm. um, just a lot of other things. It was really great. Yeah. She's a discovery writer. She's Uh the co-host of the Unschool Authors podcast. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk to both of the ladies. We just had Holly Line on the previous episode. And so um, they had an episode where they talked about being discovery writers, uh-huh. and I just thought that would be interesting to talk to her about that. So we del- we get into that and how that's different and uh, some of the myths around being a discovery writer. And, right. Yeah. So we talked about that. It was really good. It was great. It was great. We laughed a lot. It was it was yeah. a fun interview. It was a fun yeah. interview. And Jelena also talked about uh, writer events, and yes. um, I and so- just... That goes with what you've been doing, right? <laughs> Say, yeah. I had a book signing this week, my first big book signing um, with uh, Holidays with the Bells in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And um, Angeline talks about mm-hmm. um, when you go to book signing or anything like that, if you just kind of have in your mind that you just want to sell one book, then you'll be a lot happier. And mm-hmm. I sold one book as soon as the doors open and I thought, okay, I'm good. But it ended up, I sold almost all of my books. It was really great. And it was awesome meeting readers and um, new readers. And I did something that I thought was pretty smart. If if I must say so myself, I had cards printed up with a QR code on them and, you know, it had my name and logo and everything. And then it said for a free book scan here. Mm -hmm. And so my freebie all they had to do was scan the code. And I mean, you know, if they took the card, they scan the code and they can get a free book. So if they didn't want to buy my books, which was fine because a lot of people didn't know me, they yeah. could get the free book. And I, you know, my free book is very indicative of, a, of all my writing. Yeah. So um, if they liked the free book, then they would like my other books. So that was pretty good. And I don't know that anyone else did that. I didn't ask, but the way they responded to, Hey, you can have a free book was um, pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. So it made me think maybe that wasn't something that a lot of people were doing. So, right. Yeah. It was great. I, I think was glad. It, that makes it really easy to talk to people. It's really yeah. like, especially for me, like if you're an introvert and you yeah. don't really want to initiate conversations, it's right it's awful to stand behind a table and be yeah. like, here, would you like to look at my book? I mean, I've yeah. done many events and yeah. you know, when you're trying to sell a traditionally published hardcover at 20 plus dollars, yeah. that's a big ask. Yes. So if you can say, Hey, here's something free. And mm-hmm. they, if they like it, they'll go on to right. read your other books. So, so how did you do the, did you do the giveaway? Like, is it a book funnel link? Like yeah. normal? It's a book okay. funnel link. It's just my normal uh, free book. That's, on my website, uh, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever, but I used the book funnel link and then I connected it to the QR code. Mm-hmm. And um, actually on the back, it, there's another QR code that's supposed to go to my Amazon page, but mm-hmm. it wasn't working oh, no. and I didn't 
figure it out until it was too late to get new ones. So they're sending me new cards, but really and truly, if they go to the free book, mm-hmm. they're going to see my, you know, yeah, all my that's, books. I mean, that's what the people were there for books. Yeah. And so, you know, like events, people, a lot of people will bring like candy and mm-hmm. little like giveaway things, but yeah. if you're giving away a book, that mm-hmm. is the most aligned thing you yeah. can do. So yeah. that's awesome. Now yeah. I did have cookies sugar well, cookies that had my, um, they were individually wrapped. In, right? <laughs> yes. That had my logo on it that oh, uh, cool. a friend of my daughter's did for me. And they were so cute. They just were, they looked so good. Um, but it was fun. My daughter and my mom were there. They were my hype men. It was, mm-hmm. uh, it was pretty fun. Uh, I was not really sure of, you know, that I would enjoy it. Um, but I wanted to do it because I hadn't, done one before and I was so glad I did it was great meeting readers so yeah Yeah. I had I had no doubt that you would enjoy it (laughs) it was weird it was weird being around so many people you know it's funny because I was like I didn't hang out in the bar I didn't do any of that stuff because it was a little bit intimidating after not being around people for a while so Mm -hmm. uh that was that was different you know for me but uh it was still it was a lot of fun what about you what have you been doing um well i'm still um project managing the translations mm-hmm. and i had a conversation with another writer friend and i, I did not realize how much time it th- it would take it's i mean it doesn't yeah. seem like it would be that much like once you get it started and going the actual translation part is easy. It's yeah. all the others like getting the cover and mm-hmm. everything translated. And so, yeah, I've been working on that. It's taken up more time than I thought. Um, been oh. doing some writing, making progress, inching yeah. along. Good. And um, oh, the other thing I'm working on is um, Historical Mystery Day is coming up this Wednesday, the uh-huh. 29th. Yeah. And so that's another thing that um, I'm more of an introvert. And so I'm like, Hey guys, I feel very awkward, like reaching out to people and saying, this is going on, but I have reached out to some people. I'm doing some promotion. Mm-hmm. I also did a survey of readers like leading up to this for, I guess I opened it up in January. So I've been collecting responses. So I've created these graphics that I can, it'll give me something to post about that oh, that's good. and kind of share. Yeah. And um, it was interesting. Um, I asked, you know, what people, what genres people like to read and um, what their favorite genres are like what mm-hmm. subgenres they like to read in historical mystery and then what other genres they like to read besides that. Right. And I was really surprised like uh, romance and suspense were very high in the results, but also biography. Oh, like, really? Oh, that's interesting. You wouldn't think that, but I mean, mm-hmm. I guess if you're reading about historical things, maybe you're yes. also interested in the nonfiction side as well. So right, right. I thought that's that was interesting. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So I'm working on that and um, I now have a, uh, Trim painted in my office. Oh, good. And good. a doorknob. So oh, there you go. So I can actually close the doors. <laughs> so this is about the speed of our home improvement. It's going to be a long process. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, well, we're just um, plugging around. My daughter and my son, my grandson moved out last week. And so as you, you can't hear him in the background. Um, so that's been Good for them. Sad for us. We miss them. They, but they only live down the street. So, but still, it's it's different. So we're a little bittersweet, huh? A little bittersweet. We're we're proud of her and happy mm-hmm. for them. So um, they're 
they're moving out. So I'm just about to start working on the next book and get things going. So we should do a question of the week. Yes, let's do. All right. So since we're talking about world building and being a discovery writer, we could go either way. Uh, Let's, why don't we just ask, are you a discovery writer or are you a plotter? Sounds good. And yeah, that's pretty easy. Yeah. It's Monday. I have only had one cup of coffee. That's that's all you get, folks. That's all you get for me. Well, you know, that's a, a can generate a lot of discussion. Yes, it can. <laughs> it can. Okay. All right. Well, here we go. Let's listen to Angelina. Okay. All right. Today we are really excited to have Angeline Trevina with us today. How are you? I'm good, thank you. We're so happy you're here. And, I'm, uh, I'm, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a great episode, I know. Yeah. We're going to dig into some good stuff that we haven't talked mm-hmm. about before, so yeah. we're excited. Great. Yeah. yeah, so let me read your bio and we'll jump right in. Angeline Trevina is a British science fiction, fantasy, and horror author, creator of the Paper Duchess series. She is best known for her feminist brand of dystopia. She is also the co-host of the Unstoppable Authors podcast. Angeline grew up on the edge of Dartmoor, Devon, among its legends and ghost stories, but now lives in central England with her husband, their two young boys, and a somewhat neurotic cat. <laughs> I think all cats are neurotic, right? She, ours is particularly neurotic. <laughs> yeah, mine too. I, I told my husband last night that my dog and I have a very toxic relationship. I mean, like, it's not, it's not healthy. And it's not because I'm like, oh, oh I love you so much. It's because... He is, um, he allows me to pet him so that I can then give him a treat. Like nah. that, like that, he's a cat dog. He really a is a cat dog. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's, it's very unhealthy. But back to the podcast. So tell us how you got into writing. Uh, so I'm one of those people who have been writing ever since they were old enough to hold a pen, mm-hmm. pretty much. Um, and I never really took it seriously. It was very much hobby. But I mean, I'm of the generation that, of course, self-publishing didn't exist Mm -hmm. until after I graduated uni, Mm -hmm. in fact. Um, So, yeah, it was always like something that I do just because I do it, just like Mm -hmm. I breathe. Um, But it was always going to be a hobby. And it was actually um, at university when I was doing, I did a degree in drama and writing. Mm -hmm. And I discovered that I was enjoying the writing side of my degree much more than the drama side. And I actually, for one of our writing classes, we had to write sort of like an introduction to ourselves as a writer. Mm -hmm. And I wrote, I would never see writing as being anything more than a hobby. And my (laughs) tutor, her comment on it was, um, based on your writing, that would be a real shame. And that was sort of the first nugget, yeah, yeah, the first yeah. seed that was planted that I was like, hmm, maybe I could do more yes. with this. Yes. It was several years later before I started. I actually started out with writing short stories for anthologies mm-hmm. for like small indie presses. Um, so that's where I started. And then I thought, I'll look at self-publishing and it but it was still it was still very much thought of as the last ditch attempt for desperate writers who couldn't get a traditional deal um back when I when I've published my first book but I thought I'll see how it goes I'll see if I can do it 
And here I am several years <laughs> later, <laughs> yeah. full time in the author, yeah. loving every minute of it. So yeah. exactly. I think I thought when I put my first indie book up that I wouldn't feel like a real author, you know, because that at, I just remember the minute that thing went live, I was thinking, hell yeah, I'm a real author. <laughs> like it was just the weirdest thing because I hadn't expected to feel that way, but yeah. It's legit. Yeah, yep, definitely. Yep. 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 Bank accounts don't lie. No, they don't. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> the money starts rolling in. That, that's <laughs> no. Well, what's your definition of success? My definition of success, I think, is something that always changes because mm-hmm. as soon as I hit one of my sort of goals that I was heading towards, I shift the goalposts mm-hmm. and success becomes something else. Um, but ultimately, I've, it's, it's rather vague. I'm quite a vague person. I'm not, I'm not a solid goals kind of person, but like vaguely sort of, I've always had this idea that I would like to be able to just buy things without worrying, Uh like to be able to walk into a shop and go, that's a really nice coat and not even check the price label, Mm -hmm. just to walk up to the counter and buy it. Mm -hmm. And it's always kind of been in the back of my mind that like, when I can do stuff like that, then I know I've made it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's a great way to measure, like because then it just show it would show that those like the financial aspects. Yeah. It's not the major thing, and then it's just part of your life that you can do what you yeah. want to. So yeah. that's very cool. yeah. That's that's the really important thing to be able to do what I want to. You know, mm-hmm. I like I'd want I want to be able to do a spontaneous trip out with my kids mm-hmm. you know and just not worry about the money aspect at all so yeah, yeah. to me like like when I can consistently do that yeah. and I'm not constantly checking my bank account yes <laughs> yeah no I know uh, there was a time when my goal my it was before writing but you know I would think I will know that we have like hit a certain financial platform or uh, place when I could, you know, the tubes of cover up, like from cover girl and stuff, yeah. I would get a Q-tip and dig it out until it was <laughs> all gone. And when I, I thought when I can just, when it's flush and can no longer right be away. smeared on my face, I can throw it away and go get a new one. That's when I know we have made it. Isn't that funny? Uh, I must admit, I do. I do pride myself on my thriftiness. So <laughs> I don't. I think I'll always be doing stuff like that. Yeah, I still and do. Like, too, yeah, yeah. I'd like <laughs> refusing to turn the heating on until at least November. <laughs> Just yeah. put a coat on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what do you wish you'd known about writing in craft or craft uh, when you started? Sounds like you, with a degree, you might not have. I love I love doing my degree Mm -hmm. and university was an amazing experience but I kind of think of it in the same way as like learning to drive you know Mm -hmm. when you when you're learning to drive they don't they're not really teaching you to drive they're teaching you to pass your driving test Mm -hmm. and when you really learn to drive is after you've passed your test Mm -hmm. when you're by yourself and just you're doing it through experience and I think my my writing degree was very much the same. Mm-hmm. You know, they were teaching me to achieve a degree in writing. Mm-hmm. And while there were a lot of things that I picked up, I've really learned to write 
since graduating. Mm -hmm. So yeah, one of the things that I was very late to the party on learning, and I really wish I had learned earlier, was about tropes and learning to write to market. Mm -hmm. Obviously, subconsciously, I was aware of tropes. I, you know, you know that there are the same sort of themes and the same sort of characters that keep cropping up mm -hmm. in the genre that right, you love. Right. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't aware aware of tropes like like on a, a critical level I was I did not know about tropes mm -hmm. and I didn't know about writing to market and I it's made it incredibly difficult <laughs> with my fiction because I write these crazy mashups that like they're like urban fantasy but not strictly urban fantasy because they're secondary world which to a diehard urban fantasy yeah. reader that's not urban fantasy they're also a little bit cyberpunk because they have magic in them so mm -hmm. they're definitely fantasy but they also have futuristic tech mm -hmm. and also they have <laughs> monsters in them and yeah it's like <laughs> it's just this crazy mashup and you try <laughs> explaining to a reader yeah, it's like urban fantasy, but not quite. And it's right. a little bit cyberpunk. And also it's set in a post-apocalyptic yeah. world. It's also very dystopian. Yeah. And you've lost them. You've so lost them. <laughs> I've made a really hard job for myself by not yeah. writing to market. But even saying that, yeah. I now know about tropes. I yes. now know about writing to market. And I still write crazy genre yeah. mashups. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it may not have changed anything if I'd even known about it before. Right. So, yeah. Well, our listeners can't see it, but while you were describing what it is you write, you had little lines between your <laughs> eyes, like you were Kevin. <laughs> and I'm thinking, wow, that's a lot. But, you know, if it works and you clearly have readers, so you found those people, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, I write what comes out of me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I've done that too, where you don't, where I don't write to very specific, well-defined trope or genre or audience. You know, it's kind of a mashup of a couple of different mm -hmm. things. And I found that the people who really like that series, they love it because it's yep. their thing, you know? So like you can have find really passionate followers, but the problem is that sometimes there's not a lot of them for mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Thing. But man, people who love it, they just love it. So yeah, obviously. <laughs> you really found your people if you right. that. yeah <laughs> yeah well what about marketing what do you wish you'd known about marketing oh just how hard it is <laughs> <laughs> and yeah you know it's not it's not just the actual act of marketing that's difficult it's overcoming the reluctance to oh, market uh oh. that's that's been really really hard and because you get in your head like you know, like the cold sales calls that you get or like the pushy people trying to get you to sign up for a credit card in, in the street. And that's kind of what you get in your head, what marketing is. And yeah, the, overcoming the reluctance to marketing, but then realizing also how hard it is and how so much of it feels like you're just shouting into the void. But something will be working yeah. somewhere. And somewhere. It's so much experimentation and, oh, I'll just tweak this one thing and see what change that makes. And sometimes it, it's like, oh, brilliant. You know, mm -hmm. we'll keep doing more of that. And then sometimes it's like, whoa, whoa, no, put it back. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. So what kind of marketing do, marketing do you do consistently? Consistently, um, Amazon ads, I do 
constant, 100%. Mm. They have been an absolute game changer for me. And beyond that, it's just social media. I And I mean just free using my social media accounts. I've n- never run a Facebook ad. Oh, okay. um, they sound very complicated. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't, I haven't dared touch that yet. And I do, I do run some Instagram ads, and they have been really, really profitable for me. But I will say, Instagram ads really only work with certain books. Yeah, I can't get any traction on Instagram with my fiction. But my world building guides, there is such a strong author community on Mm -hmm. Instagram that my author guides, I know I sell them through Instagram. And every time I run an advert, it is profitable every Mm -hmm. time. But it's because I found my audience because I I network with other Mm -hmm. um, authors on Instagram, but I cannot find the readers there. And so my fiction doesn't Mm -hmm. do very well on Instagram at all. Mm But that's what marketing's about, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this it works for this. This yeah. works for this. Let's yeah. try it out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, what assumptions did you make at the beginning of your writing career? And looking back, did they turn out to be right or wrong? So, I think a big assumption I made was that I would never make any money. Mm-hmm. We are fed and fed and fed this idea of the starving artist. Mm-hmm. And not only are we fed that that's the norm, that Mm -hmm. we should be a starving artist if we choose to go down a creative route, but it's romanticized so much to us that actually it's it's like we should be grateful for being a starving artist. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that was a huge assumption that I had in my head that I would would be a starving artist Mm -hmm. and that certainly in self-publishing when I first started out with it it was very much oh no traditional published authors make money self-published authors are hobbyists and Mm. boy has that turned around and I love that it's turned around and I I'm so excited where indie authoring is going now Mm -hmm. and how how serious we're taking it and Mm -hmm. how actually we're really really savvy business people Mm -hmm. now and I know that I am selling fewer books than some authors that I know that are traditionally published, but I'm earning more yes. because I'm getting a bigger portion of mm-hmm. my royalties. So, yeah, that was a that was a big assumption I made that I would always be a starving artist. And thankfully, <laughs> that's not happening. I am making a very good living from doing this now. So it can be done. <laughs> It can be. It can be. Yep. <laughs> um, I think that traditional publish, uh, tra- tra- publishers are taking things now from indie authors, like like their practices, and they, they mm-hmm. watch and see what some of the really – now, I don't think they would ever tell you that, but I, I think <laughs> they do because I've seen some things happen with some trad authors that I'm like, oh, wait, mm-hmm. you guys mm-hmm. used to not do that, but now you're doing it. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've been doing it for a while. So Yeah, it's true. I've I've seen trad authors doing something and I'm like, why are you talking about that as if it's some radical new idea and us well. have been doing it for like a long time? But yeah, the pandemic has really, really made that happen a lot more because right. obviously the trad pub model is so based on 
physical books, mm -hmm. uh, signings in bookstores, mm -hmm. physical book tours. And all of a sudden this couldn't happen. Yeah. I mean, a lot of trad pub books don't even have ebooks. Wow. They they weren't yeah. even bothering to do ebooks, or it was yeah. just something they the the publisher would go, oh yeah, okay, I, I guess we should yeah. do an ebook, whatever. Um, but suddenly the pandemic hit, and all the bookshops shut. They couldn't do live events, mm -hmm. and yes, yeah, so I think it's been we've seen a big shift mm -hmm. with trad pub looking at indie pub and going. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe there might be something there that we could use. Yeah. yeah. I've even seen it with um, traditional authors that their books are coming out closer together because yeah, I write mystery. So a lot of the, I've noticed a couple of authors that their books come out, you know, only a month or two apart. And I was like, wow, that's different for them, yeah. especially because, you know, normally it's a year at least, yeah. you know, so so I think they are picking up on some things, but I think we still have such a huge advantage as indies because you may get a publisher on board to release your book, you know, a couple months apart, but for them to consistently let you do yeah. that or, you know, yeah. I just don't see it mm -hmm. or they may make that a pattern for all of their authors, but you just have so much more power mm -hmm. and ability yeah. to control your own destiny <laughs> yourself. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> So, well, we like to talk about like lessons learned and, you know, things that you wish you had known. So um, have you ever made a mistake that turned out to be a good thing? So it wasn't, it wasn't specifically a mistake, but it was a bad thing that happened that I managed to turn into something mm -hmm. fantastic. So a few years ago now, um, I was a guest author at a writing convention locally and what we were allowed to do as guest authors was bring a few copies of some of our books to go on the sales table to be sold. So there I go with, with a bag on my shoulder full of full of copies of my books. Yeah, I'm going to sell loads. It's going to be really awesome. <laughs> and so, so I went, I took a whole load of books. I sold one book at yeah. the event and then had to go with my tail between my legs, pick up my book stock. <laughs> and then walk home with an equally heavy bag mm -hmm. on my back that I had arrived with. And I I got home. I was so miserable when I got home. I was like, oh, this is like the worst thing that could have happened. So I slept on it. I woke up in the morning. And now I'm I'm a big believer when things bad things happen, you're allowed to sulk about it. You're yeah. allowed to feel those feelings. You know, right. they are completely valid, right. but only until the next day. So the next day <laughs> I woke up and I wasn't, oh, I didn't, I only sold one book. I went, right, I've got a whole load of book stock that I need to do something with. So mm -hmm. what am I going to do with this book stock? Mm -hmm. So a few days later, I went to my local library and I said, I would really like to put on a small event for like fancy and sci-fi writers, maybe like five writers. I know so many locally that yeah. I could, I knew I could pull this together. And the manager of the library got all excited and I got all excited. <laughs> and all of a sudden I was organizing a humongous science and um, fancy convention. Mm -hmm. And we had... <laughs> We had Warhammer games there. We had D and D wow. going on there. We've had cosplayers. We've got a whole load of extra stools in. We've done it twice now. Um, obviously, we we couldn't do it once the pandemic hit. 
but both events we've had we had 2000 people through the wow. door each time wow. and i sold the book stock that i had and more like yeah. <laughs> i sold plenty of books and yeah the first year the event was fantastic the mm-hmm. second year it was even bigger i ha- i had to turn people away who wanted stools and who wanted to come to it wow and yeah so um hopefully hopefully we'll be able to do it again next year yes. and um but yeah that was you know a bad thing that i managed to turn around into something yes. absolutely awesome that is that amazing is- that's amazing. That's wonderful. I, love yeah. I love that story. Yeah. Well, I may be calling or getting back on a call with you because I'm doing my first signing next week and uh-huh. I've already lost money. Like I've already lost money. I know this is, <laughs> I'm not making any money on this, but I got a banner and I got these cards with the cute, what is that code thing on there? So they oh, can yeah, get a free yeah. book and it takes them to my other books. And, you know, I've sold some pre-orders, but I'm taking some books because it's my first signing and I'm like, I don't want to sit there. Like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm sure like I'm making my mom go with me because <laughs> <laughs> that's a good idea. I make my husband go with me. I don't want to just sit here by myself. <laughs> so I'm making her go with me. So at least we'll look like we're busy if, even if we're not, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit worried. Awesome. That is awesome that you yeah. turn that into such a good thing. Yeah. That's great. I had many, I was traditionally published before I went indie and I had many, many signings where I would go to Barnes and Noble. And basically all I did was tell people the direction of the bathrooms and where the coffee shop was (laughs) because they weren't there for my book, you know, like, or I, and I remember times that I would like, if I sold one book, I was like, one sale, you know, I mean, just really, really hard. So you really turned that around and made it something yeah, great. So that uh, is, is amazing. Yeah, really. So actually, an, an author that I know um, who came to one, to the event, and he does a lot of events like this, and he said to me something that is really stuck, and I will keep it forever. He said, whenever I go to a live event, I aim to sell one book, just one book, and okay. anything else I sell above that is a bonus. And that's really stuck. And every live event I go to now, I say that to myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I right. only aim to sell one, one book. Anything more is a bonus. Exactly. And it is. And it's such a good mindset to have. It's such a fantastic way to walk yes. into a live event. Because they are nerve-wracking. And you're like, yeah. oh, no, what if nobody comes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's impossible to know how much book stock to take. Right. as well it's so hard because yes. every event is different right. as well and uh, of course time of year makes a difference mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so it's impossible to know so yeah that's that's a fantastic mindset that's a great any live event thank with. you thank you yeah. I will keep that in mind <laughs> I may make my mom come up to the table and act like she's buying a book so do it the prime <laughs> prime the pump so to speak <laughs> <laughs> Well, what about the um, opposite? Like, have you ever had something you thought this is a great idea, but it didn't really turn out the way you thought? I am such a sucker for shiny ideas. Like I get excited over anything that's new and the amount of times I hear, hear or see a marketing idea. And I'm like, clearly this is the latest thing. This is what Mm -hmm. I need to be doing. 
Mm-hmm. And the one that uh, really, I've tried it several times and it just fails every time for me is Facebook groups. Uh. Like, and everyone says this, this is like golden mantra of yes. Facebook marketing. Get a group because you get much better engagement. You mm-hmm. get much better reach. Yes, we all know our pages. Like, don't reach anyone yes, at all. Exactly. And so I, I keep making these groups and they just go, Bleh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I put this huge amount of time and effort into growing the group, into trying to get engagement, into mm-hmm. thinking up things to post, post every day, yes, yes. <laughs> which is so hard. It's so hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I am just, I'm sitting there going, this is such a massive time suck mm-hmm. and I'm not getting anything back from it. And so I, I'm barely on Facebook at all. Mm-hmm. I have a I have a page on there, mm-hmm. but anyone who follows it will tell you like I probably post like it on a on a good month. I might post four or five times. Mm-hmm. I'm rubbish, but I don't mind because mm-hmm. I don't enjoy it right. on Facebook, and that's that's a mistake a lot of people make with mm-hmm. social media. They're like, right, I need to be everywhere. Right, I need to. I need to follow these trends. I need to be here. I need to be here. Mm-hmm. No, you need to be where you enjoy being because mm-hmm. if you hate being there, people are going to notice that right. you hate being yeah. there, <laughs> and your content's not going to be good. It's not going to be engaging, and it will feel like a huge time suck. Yeah. Um, I enjoy Instagram. Instagram is hundred percent my platform. I love it. I spend way too much time there. <laughs> <I'll admit. laughs> And, and yeah, so Facebook groups, they work for some people. I know they are absolutely fantastic for some people, just not for me. Yeah. Sarah, you had a similar situation, didn't you? Oh, I did. I, you know, everybody said, you know, you need a a reader group, create a reader group. That's it. And so I did. And it was like crickets in there and I worked so hard. And Mm. I think part of it is my readers are, they skew a little bit older and they are on Facebook, but they're not into going into groups and talking and chatting about certain things. You know, I just couldn't. So I closed the group and I haven't started another one. I haven't started another reader group. And I just, I'm like you, I'm like, I just yeah. don't enjoy Facebook. And I think if you really, really, really try to do something and then you don't like it, eventually you just kind of fall. I fall off a cliff and I'm like, I'm there, I'm there, I'm there, you know, and the, nothing, you know, like I'm ghosting <laughs> for two months. You've ghosted me. <laughs> I ghosted Facebook. A yeah. hundred percent. That's exactly what happens to me. I, I actually, I do a survey of my newsletter subscribers every year. And also just like you, my readers tend to be a little bit older and yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, they are on Facebook. I know they are because they tell me that they're on Facebook, but yeah. they're not. They're not right. engaging and they're not right. on it, on it. Right. <laughs> so. yes. Well, and it's weird because like in my group, because I write romance, it, I think romance groups are a little bit different. Mm. But, uh, but, you know, I'll post about a book or a sale or something and I'll get, you know, 25, 20, 25 responses or whatever. I post about, you know, ripping my pants somewhere or my dog <laughs> puking on something and I get 200 responses and I'm like, this is so frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Y'all want to know about us, but 
you know, we got, we have books too. You know, yeah. So. For me, it's my cat pictures of my cat. Whenever I post a photo of my cat, yeah. I get tons of engagement. Post a right. photo of my book that's yeah. that's just that's been released, and it's like. Yeah. <laughs> so you need to post the the cat beside the book, which I, I have did. also done that. Yeah, <laughs> I did do that the other day too on on TikTok because I wanted to use this trick, this one trend, and it was like show me the baby, and all the other trends were either showing real babies or animals, and so I said. Oh, well, my books are my baby, but my dog is too. So I, I propped the book up. And by the end, he was side-eyeing me like, are we done yet? Like, <laughs> I'm going to hurt you when this is over. <laughs> yeah, my, my cat actually hates having her photo taken. Um, she knows. She knows. As soon as I pick my phone up, she'll she'll start cleaning somewhere that I don't want to take a photo of her cleaning. <laughs> She's got her back um, leg up. And <laughs> yep. Every single time. And I've got all these photos of her, like looking absolute daggers at me. <laughs> like, why are you taking a photo of me? And yeah. So I have to take of so course. many photos because she looks so awful in so mm-hmm. many because she does it on purpose. Right. But yeah. By the, by the end, she's like, I am so fed up of this. She's the Greta Garbo of cats, right? Yes. Do photos, please. Yeah. <laughs> she really is. Oh my gosh. Oh, okay. <laughs> so funny. Well, yeah. so uh, tell us about your world building. Like, like, did you start writing your books? knowing what you know now about world building or have you learned what have you learned over the course of time about I, world building yeah I'm a very much learn on the job learn okay, as I yeah. go kind of person <laughs> as am I as am yeah. I yeah. <laughs> and I mean I've always I've always been into fantasy um mm-hmm. the like where where my obsessive reading as a child really started was those choose your own adventure yes. books where yeah. you know mm-hmm. you get to the end of the chapter and it's like if you wanted the characters to do this turn to this page if you want them to do this turn to yeah. this page it was inevitable I'd end up writing my own I think I love <laughs> controlling the stories <laughs> and uh, yeah so I've always been into fantasy I'm completely obsessed with Narnia I read the Chronicles of Narnia all of, the whole series when mm. I was 16 in just a matter of days I am completely obsessed with Narnia and that was when sort of my love of world building really started mm-hmm. and but everything I know about world building most of it has been through reading just mm-hmm. reading 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 mm-hmm. and through writing mm-hmm. and I think those are the best ways that we learn um mm-hmm. I have become a lot nerdier about world building so yeah. I do I do buy books about world building and read what other people are saying mm-hmm. about world building but the vast majority of it is through just doing it through just practicing finding out what works and finding out what doesn't and I really think that that is always the best way to learn mm-hmm. and so if you if you're buying world building books and that's why my my world building books they're all workbooks I do them as paperback workbooks Mm -hmm. so you've got a prompt about a certain aspect of world building and then you've got a whole space where you can write the answer so you're doing you're doing because that is the best way to learn and the other thing that the workbooks give you is by the end you've created you all your world building you've got it in one place you've got it in one nice notebook all together mm-hmm. in one place so when you're writing your book 
you've got it next to you. And because awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I learned about like world building and series Bibles the hard way when right. I wrote my first four book series. When I was on book three, I was literally picking up the copy of book one, <laughs> look yeah. through it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to find like yeah. the name of this character's wife's dog or whatever yes. <laughs> and I was like okay there's got to be a better way to do this so that was when I started doing series bibles so every single series I write I have a notebook absolutely yeah. just crammed with all the information okay. and um, I'm still not great at updating yeah. it <laughs> I know I know I've got to do tough. that for I mean I don't world I'm I world build on a very small scale because it's small town rom-com, Sandy, you know, but you do have, there are things you have to remember. And like mm. this time my editor said, um, we, there was a person named this in the last book and you've now used this name three times for three different people <laughs> in this book. I must really love it. And I can't even think what it is now, Oh my gosh! but it is hard to remember. But what I'm curious about, especially like for fantasy authors or urban fantasy or what, you know, what you do, your mashup, how do you, how do you keep it in control? Like, how do you know when to stop world building? Does that, does that make sense? Because I, yeah, absolutely. I've um, read books where it was just, it was almost too much. Like I yeah. just want the, I want the story. I want, yeah. you know, I like the world and I like knowing what's, I like the magic system and all that. Cause I, I read a lot of urban fantasy and I read fantasy as well. And so, but how do you make sure you keep it contained so it doesn't overtake the story or yeah. integrate it in such a way that it is part of the story, I guess is the question. This is this is probably the question I get asked most by oh, people. Like, yeah. how much world building do I need to do? When do I stop world building? Yeah. I and I understand it. I could yeah. I could world build forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really could <laughs> and never actually write the book. Um but I I have three rules mm-hmm. for world building. So everything you create in your world needs to do at least one of these three things. So it either needs to be revealing character mm. or it needs to be pushing the plot forward yes. or it needs to be exploring the themes of your book. Oh, cool. If it's okay. not doing one of those three things, mm-hmm. then you don't need it. Right. You you are, I would say, every single time you world build, you are going to create more world building than ends up in your book. Mm-hmm. I create a lot more yeah. <laughs> than <laughs> it actually ends up. In oh, but that's good. Book. That's great. Extra you know, stuff to give away to your readers. It yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can package it all together, mm-hmm. you know, release your actual world building Bible mm-hmm. as a, a reader magnet. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's fantastic stuff or if you've got loads of loads of maps, you can print them out and do yes. these giveaways. Yes, you know, exactly. it's, so it's never wasted. It's mm-hmm. never wasted right. stuff, um, and it helps you to understand the world better, which right. helps you to write in the world better. Right. But yeah, if you're now you can you can put something in your world just because you think it's super cool. Mm-hmm. Like absolutely just put something in just because you think it's super cool it's exciting like it's an exciting bit of tech or it's a really cool Mm -hmm. magic spell 
But then you need to integrate it properly. You need to, what I I call it backwards engineering. Mm -hmm. So you've got this world item of world building you want to include because it's awesome, which Mm -hmm. is great. I'm, you know, shovel that awesome stuff in there. (laughs) That's that's why we read fantasy. Right, exactly. But you need to backwards engineer it so that it's affecting your character or affecting your story or has relevancy to the themes of your book. Okay. Otherwise, it is. It's just. It's just world building for world building's sake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, very good. That's a great answer. That's a great well, answer. This is a good time. Tell us about your books that you have because you have specific topics. You have. Don't you have four? I do. Yeah, I currently have four world building books out. So the first one is 30 Days of World Building, which is just a general catch all world building book. So it will take you from having no world at all to having a complete world that's enough world building for you to start writing in. Mm -hmm. So if you're building your first world or you're building a brand new world and you've got nothing, then mm-hmm. 30 days of world building is 100% where you want to start because yeah. it will create your entire world. Then I've got three more specific books. Now, the second one I released, I actually p- started writing it at the end of 2019 and mm-hmm. started writing it in 2020. It's called How to Destroy the World. And so it's about <laughs> writing dystopia and post-apocalyptic. That's I great. Finished it, yes. I finished it just as the UK went into its first lockdown. <laughs> and uh, it was completely accidental because I, I planned it and started writing it while before we knew covid was going to like before touch the world, us yeah no but i i finished it just as we went into our first lockdown and honestly i was like do i publish it yeah. like what are people going to think if i publish this book so i did it kind of quietly and apologetically but people loved it and it's Good. it sold really well so then my third one is called from sanctity to sorcery And that's a book which just guides you step by step through building magic systems and belief systems. So like religions. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the the latest one is how to create history, which is about creating histories, myths and monsters Mm -hmm. for your world, which is actually like that that one has outsold the previous two and that is my second bestseller after 30 days people are absolutely loving that book which yeah, I'm really excited great. about because that's I, awesome I love monsters and I love myths and I it was I loved writing that one that was great that's great yeah I think our listeners will really get a lot out of it because I, I mean a, a lot out of this episode in particular, but as we have, you know, we, because I write romance and Sarah writes mystery, we've had a lot of romance and mystery authors. Mm-hmm. So I think this is fabulous. I just think that there's a huge portion of our audience that uh, is going to really get a lot out of this. So and that's of, great. Of course, world building is for every genre. Um, it is. It's it not, is. Yeah, yeah. It's like us fancy and sci-fi writers mm-hmm. might be doing like the heavy lifting mm-hmm. there's you also see a lot of world building in horror mm-hmm. but like if you're writing a cozy mystery mm-hmm. 
even if you're setting it in a real town that really exists, if you're creating a detective agency or if you're creating a cafe that doesn't exist, right. that's world building. Mm-hmm. Like people don't often realize that it is, yeah. but it is. It is exactly the same as right. world building. It's just on a much, much smaller scale yeah. than somebody yeah. who's creating an entire universe. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you, were com- when you were saying those three things, I was like, okay, have I done that? (laughs) And with the barn and yeah, I mean, it's just like, have I done those things? Because they, in my small little towns, there still are those elements. So that's really fantastic. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you wouldn't, in your town, you wouldn't go and spend a lot of time describing a building that your characters Mm-mm. never actually visit Mm-mm. you know so it's exactly the same mm-hmm. as world building mm-hmm. don't spend a whole load of time describing or explaining something that has absolutely no bearing yeah. on your characters at mm-hmm. all yeah yeah i may yeah. be about to start a fight but aragon i loved the first book of aragon oh i liked them all uh, the ending i did not like but but um but one thing like I, he would get lo- he would lose me sometimes like describing a door handle and the carvings on the door handle and I'm like <laughs> I don't need just go through the door like somebody, yeah. there's somebody in trouble on the other side of the door please go through it you know I yeah. mean so um but I just feel like yeah you can go too far and and, and, yeah, and because, yeah you definitely can and yeah. it's a question of style at the end yes, of the day it is. I mean like like I said I come I started my career writing short stories mm-hmm. so word economy is like yes <laughs> so ingrained in me I I write very short my mm-hmm. novels are only just 50,000 words mm-hmm. um most of my books are just tipping under that so a lot of people would count them as novellas um but yeah, I, I write very stripped back. That's just my voice. Yeah. That's just the way that I write. And I, that's what I prefer to read. Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah, I'm not into reading yeah. heavy descriptions of yeah. doorknobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it was, I think it was a doorknob. I really think it was a doorknob. I think yeah. there were carvings and, on the doorknob. And some people love that. And that's yeah. good that they there are it. books yeah. for them. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll never, ever write a 200,000 word epic fantasy because right. that's not my voice that's not my style right, right. but there are right uh, plenty of writers who sure. do so that's great yeah. you do that's that. what it is. yeah <laughs> it all works out because they have exactly. their readers exactly. so yeah. absolutely yeah. yeah exactly yeah I feel like what Jamie and I do is sort of world building light and mm-hmm. I didn't mm-hmm. realize that I was world building when I first started writing mysteries. Me and either. It dawned on me. I was like, oh, I am mm-hmm. creating this. Even like I'll take places and I'll fictionalize them, you know, in yeah. my story so that I don't have to stick to, you know, the map and all this stuff. I can kind of do my own thing. But that is world building. And, yeah, and I think that a lot of the principles that you're talking about are very important no matter what you're writing. So mm-hmm. I think that was, that's great. So, mm-hmm. But we also wanted to touch on uh, being a discovery writer because you had a podcast on your Unstoppable Authors uh, podcast where you talked with your co-host about like being a discovery writer. It's something that's not touched on a lot, mm-hmm. but um, so you got, you guys are both discovery writers, right? We are. Yeah. So, so kind of give us. Wow. Um, well so, I mean I am too yeah. but but I don't write what you write that's amazing yeah 
So what do you have any tips or thoughts for people who are discovery writers, you know, because there's a lot of information if you want to create an outline and follow an outline. And there that. really is. Yeah. So. I Because I, I keep wanting to buy craft books, like writing craft books. And I'll go through the, I always look at the reviews really carefully because mm-hmm. you'll often find reviews in there going, this is great for plotters, but mm. it's no good for discovery writers. I've actually come across some reviews where they're like, this book actually like is horrible to discovery writers. I've heard it said so many times that discovery writers will never, ever finish a book. Well, I've published like yes. 18 now, so <laughs> uh, that's not true. Yeah. I People say all the time that discovery writers will only write bad books mm-hmm. or discovery writers are much slower at writing because they're making up as they go along. No, these these are like huge myths. I want to bust them. <laughs> it is sold to us so often that plotting is the correct way to do it. Right. And discovery writing is just the one for people who don't understand plotting right. or the right. one for people who can't be bothered to plot. Right. I know how to plot. I've plotted some of my books. Mm-hmm. One of my books was plotted literally chapter by chapter. I had it written out. Most of the time, I write to around about 15 to 20,000 words. My characters take over. My characters are incredibly wayward. That's how I like them, though. (laughs) They're actually much better at coming up with ideas than I am. Mm -hmm. And so I let them run with it. So any plot that I've written out, anything I've planned out the window by 20,000 words, completely gone. So if I plot... I spend a month plotting and then I write the book, mm-hmm. which slows me down. <laughs> that makes the, the process longer and slower. Um, I I am quite quick. I generally write a book from very beginning, from first word to publication in three or four months. So mm-hmm. that's quite fast. You can't yeah. you can't yeah. say that yeah. I'm being slowed down because I'm yeah, not at all. Yeah. yeah. Um, And we very much, we use the term discovery writer rather than pantser. I mean, for one thing, pants means something different in the UK than it does in America. (laughs) But discovery writer sounds like you've actually chosen to do it, Mm -hmm. like it's an actual tactic that you have chosen to do, which Mm -hmm. it is. For Mm -hmm. so many of us, it is. Whereas pantser, it it gives that idea of like, we don't know how to plot or we can't be bothered to plot. So... But I will say, discovery writing, it is literally, I make it up as I go along. I so really you, do. Do you have nothing when you, I mean, you have the idea, but. Yeah, have- it's it's totally different. Every single project is different. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'll spend six months world building just in my head while I'm writing mm-hmm. other books. Yeah. It's all going on in the back mm-hmm. of my mind somewhere. Yeah. And I'll start writing. All I'll have is the world. Uh, sometimes I don't even have that. Sometimes I world build as I write. Uh, Sometimes I'll have the ending in mind. Sometimes I'll have the opening scene. But I will tell you, I have started writing a book before with nothing more than the main character's name. That was it. That was all I had. I had no idea what was going to happen or where they lived or who their family was or anything. But that's what I love. I find that really, really mm-hmm. exciting. Mm-hmm. I love first drafts. I know a lot of writers don't. They they 
get lost in the first draft, they find it a horrible, un, sort of unnerving place to be. Mm-hmm. I love that we're all different. I love yes. that all of yes. us writers are totally yeah. different. Yeah. I love first drafts. That's my happy place. That's my exciting place. I like to discover the world and discover the story along with my characters. And there are times that it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Like I'll get, I'll get to the 20,000 yeah. word mark because that's kind of my my mark. That's kind of where I know if this is going to work or mm-hmm. not. And if my characters aren't taking over, then something's wrong. Mm-hmm. So yes, I have abandoned manuscripts, but so do plotters. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. This isn't something that only discovery writers have abandoned manuscripts. We all do. We yeah. all have hard yes. drives full of things we've never finished. Yes. And maybe we'll come back to them one day because yeah. I think... A good idea is always a good idea. Mm-hmm. You might just have executed it with the wrong characters or in the wrong genre or right. with the wrong world. Or it might just be that you're not meant to write that story right now. Right. You know, that may- right. maybe you you need to live a little more. Maybe you need a bit more experience or just the season isn't right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. So I'm curious, but, do you find that if you know the whole story like if you outline the whole story does it make you heart does it do you lose some of the joy of writing it because you know where everything's going yeah I if I've outlined the whole story I've done it right yeah (laughs) so (laughs) but I've already done that so Uh to me then writing my first draft is kind of a bit more like editing which Mm. I hate that's like (laughs) that's my least favorite thing Mm. I hate editing um and I'm really jealous of writers who love it <laughs> and I have I know a lot of writers who yeah, editing I is do. their favorite part they're like oh but I get to like make it all pretty and mm-hmm. sculpt it and take mm-hmm. something that's a bit messy and make it really tidy and I'm like I want to love that but I don't I don't so yeah if plotting takes the joy out of the writing because I'm not discovering the story as I go along now when it's like if I read a book if somebody spoils the ending for me oh yeah I I most of the time I abandon that book Mm -hmm. because I know the ending Mm -hmm. and I'm it just ruins the whole experience of discovering it right and for me writing is exactly the same right but yeah I I really want to get out there that there is no right or wrong way Excellent. You know, yes. discovery writers aren't wrong. We're not lazy. We're not substandard. We're not the. It's not the incorrect way to write. Mm-hmm. It is a chosen way that we yeah. find works best for us. And you know, whatever works best for you, whatever helps you finish those books. Because if you're not finishing anything, yeah, then that's time to try a different strategy. Right. But if you are finishing that those books, if you're if you're writing and finishing and publishing, do it your way. If you know, right. standing on your head mm-hmm. in a jungle writing is mm-hmm. what works for you, then do it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Don't let anyone tell you it's wrong. Right. I find that I love the the thing I love best is what I'm not currently doing like if I'm (laughs) writing the first draft I really love editing and hate writing the first draft and then when I'm editing I'm like I hate editing I love the Mm. first draft so it kind of goes back and forth for me (laughs) so tell us what you think you've done to set yourself up for success what's the best thing you've done 
the 100% doing Amazon ads has been such a massive game changer. But I will say, again, there's there's always a mm. but. Um, but <laughs> it is so much easier. I or I find it so much easier selling nonfiction than selling fiction. And but I love writing my nonfiction. I love writing my world building guides. I'm very nerdy about it, and I love it. So if that's what makes me the money and mm-hmm. it makes enough money that I can carry on writing my strange mashup fiction that's really, really difficult to explain to anyone, mm-hmm. then I'm happy with that. Because yeah. honestly, if I wasn't publishing, I would still be writing fiction anyway, mm-hmm. because that's just what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, Amazon ads have been my biggest, absolute biggest game changer. But you know on the proviso that I wrote these non-fiction books I hit this really specific niche Mm. and um I won't I'm trying to change my language I keep saying I'm really lucky Mm -hmm. in in this but I'm trying to change my language because it's not it's not luck it is extreme hard work and I work incredibly hard but to have this one love this world building love is Mm -hmm. is I'm incredibly fortunate that the range of books I can do is massive I love talking about it I can I can talk about world building forever but the thing that surprised me about my world building books is they have been as popular with gamers as they have oh, been with writers, very interesting. which never entered my head no. as a possibility. Yeah. But I have a lot of friends who do tabletop gaming, mm-hmm. and they are hugely popular with anyone who's doing like role playing games. Mm-hmm. And so that was another marketing niche that I went, Whoa, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So yeah. that's why it's really important to be looking at what's working and then okay. do more of it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So yeah, I'm I'm market a lot to gamers, and it works very well. So that is a very interesting tip. Yes, <laughs> your market may be something you you're not even aware of. Mm. So yeah, right. That's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That is awesome. Well, awesome. we'll have all the links to your books and your website. Um, tell people where they can find you. Is there one specific place that they should go that would be the best? Yep. Yeah, just go to angelinetravina.co.uk.com will also get you there and everything is there all my fiction <laughs> all my world building and all my links to my social media all right sounds great well we will That's have all awesome. that in the show notes and those will be at wish i'd known then podcast.com and thanks to alexa larberg for editing and producing the podcast and we'll see y'all next week bye bye everybody Thanks for listening to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. We hope this episode inspired you, empowered you, and made you laugh a little bit too. If you loved it, tell your friends about it. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. We look forward to being with you again next week.